Hey, hi. Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Lena Rossler, who you might have seen as an actor in Lost Girl, The Ninth Life of Louis Drax, or Murdoch Mysteries, or some other things. And she's also a filmmaker, having made the short films Little Whispers, The Vow, Winter, and Mustard Seed over the last decade. Her first feature, Bestsellers, stars Aubrey Plaza as a young woman trying to save her father's publishing house, and Michael Caine as the literary lion who might be able to help her out with that if she can just get him to behave. It's in theaters and on VOD in Canada this Friday, September 17th, and you should check it out. Lena picked Border, Ali Abbasi's 2018 adaptation of the short story by John Avid Lindqvist, starring Eva Melander as an odd woman named Tina, who works as a Swedish border guard, making sure people don't smuggle anything forbidden into the country. She's very good at it, and one day she meets a strange man, played by Iro Milinov, who knows why. And that's when things get really interesting. Uh, if you haven't already figured this out, you're going to want to watch Border before you listen to this episode. It's like The Matrix. You need to see it to understand it. This is someone else's movie. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this film, too. I guess I was looking at, uh, I've listened to your podcast. I've, I've heard other people talk about their choices. And, of course, some choices were already chosen. <laughs> so, um, and then, I don't know, I, I, I was recently in Sweden. I am Swedish. Uh, my mom is Swedish. My family is Swedish. Uh, and so there's like a long history of sort of folklore and and uh, this kind of traditional storytelling that that uh, um, it just rem- I, I guess I was just reminded of this film. And I also think I never got to talk to anybody about it <laughs> when it came out because and I, that I realized that, too, because I saw it at TIFF. And then it's like you know, but you you really wanted to talk about it, but you couldn't because you didn't want to give anything away. And so then I, I realized it's like, oh my God, I haven't actually, I never spoke to anybody about it. So I thought, oh, well, now's my chance. I can, we can finally like, you know, un, unfurl this weird knot of a of a story of a film. Yeah. And, but it, it had been a long time as well since I'd watched it. And then I thought, okay, I better do some homework. So I watched it again this week. And, uh, and then I was thinking, I was like, oh, God, I've, now I've made you watch it again this week. Maybe. I don't know. But um, watching it again was also was also strange because the, the first time was such a, almost like a joy. It was like a, it, I just remember feeling actually it wasn't joyful. It was, it was sort of this grotesque kind of strange. But I, I left feeling astonished, I think was was the right word to use, because I you 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 sort of left the theater feeling like wait what just what just happened what was that you know and uh, what what did I just experience what what was that and um, yeah because I never got to really talk about it I thought well I'm gonna ask you what you thought about it <laughs> I'm I'm delighted you picked it because I have never seen this film with an audience uh, oh, they wow. sent us yeah well it was TIFF right so what happens yeah. at TIFF is you get a bunch of links early on or or I mean it used to be that there would be three to seven press screenings a day for the last two weeks of August like my birthday is August 16th and I've learned to hate it because it's the end of my life because no matter what the next three to four weeks are I don't see anybody I don't talk I mean I see other critics I don't see my family I don't see my friends everybody knows and I've been doing this long enough that everybody just knows now this is what happens to me. I go away for a month and border was, I think 2018. And we were just starting to tip over into streaming links being available for the international films from sales agents and things. And so we got to watch it here and Kate and I watched it together. There was this weird queasy tension for the entire experience because you know, something's off but you can't tell what it is. And then I would have given anything to be in a theater for the sex scene because how the hell did that play? It was crazy. Everybody, it was, it was an audible, like the gas, it it was collective kind of, yeah. Astonishment, like surprise. And Mm -hmm. some people, um, I think there was like some, you know, some, like a muffled giggle or like a, or a, you know, everybody, but it was, it was palpable. It was just sort of like, what? It, it just, uh, nobody, <laughs> I don't know how to talk about it. Nobody, 
it you know, without making sort of jokes about it. Almost. I know your, your brain immature. wants to. I know <laughs> because it was, yeah, it was a definite surprise, like out of nowhere. And um, yeah, so that's obviously that, that, uh, that was the scene that I guess everybody kind of remembers or, or thinks about. Um, but the film itself, I'm watching it again. I mean, my God, it's so dark. Mm. It's, you know, the, there's the, the background of, of her being uh, this border control agent and it's child pornography and trafficking and like all this really uh, dark stuff in, in the human world. And I think, I guess, looking at it again, and I think why I also liked it beyond why it's so astonishing. You have, it's, it's rare to see something like that that genuinely surprises you and, and uh, is sort of effective and kind of makes you question your own reality. And, and uh, so I think that was all great. And also with my own personal history of, you know, growing up with trolls, for example, in Sweden, at least in storybooks. And, um, but uh, I think what was most interesting or what was um, that rang true for me, was like this sort of, and what I, I, if I bring it to my my own, where at least short films, I was always looking at nature versus uh, like you know human, like a, the the sort of ugliness of of humans <laughs> versus oh, yeah. you know what could be this beautiful natural world. And in Border, those two worlds are put against each other, like this sort of nature versus reality, or I guess you could even say nurture, but. What I liked about it was um, it showed how both are, are uh, sort of disappointing or could be. Like, who's to say this this troll eating maggots, <laughs> for example, is like, is that really disgusting and grotesque? Or are these people who are obviously, you know, embarking in in, in child trafficking and, I mean, that is, yeah, disgusting. Or, and, and uh just pure evil and senseless and, and, you know, all these horrible things. So I thought it was really interesting how to put the, these two worlds up together and, uh, and to watch them unfold and to kind of make a, yeah, uh, a pretty clear sort of, well, who are we to say what's worse or what's good or what's bad, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. The way the film introduces us to, to Tina is kind of blunt Right. I mean, we're just watching this person who is clearly an actor in makeup, but it's so well done that you keep trying to figure out where the seams are and then where the person is. And then you stop thinking about it because it works. Like the performance draws you in. But I was stunned when I looked her up afterwards and realized like there's almost none of her visible, just her eyes and maybe her jaw. Everything else is covered. Yeah. And it's a completely credible performance. Yeah. Because we can see I, her eyes, right? Like we can still connect to her. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the acting is incredible. The motion shows through the eyes. And as you say, through this mountain of prosthetics and makeup. <clears throat> but um, yeah, I think that I, I can't, you know, I, I've been an actor in my life and I just can't imagine the, the, these guys going the distance there. And I did, I had to look, I, I read up on her this week. And um, yeah, she like put on all this weight. She was eating every ninety minutes or something to <laughs> to uh, to like put on all this muscle to to be. So it is her body. It is her her physical form, mm. um, minus you know this mask of of the makeup. But yeah, all the little gestures, her like sniffing, you know, like uh, the animal kind of like her lip curls up just slightly when she, you know, in this sort of you know, in, yeah, a clear animal way. And she's almost tasting the smell. So, so all of that, uh, all of that really works, but you feel like, oh God, you're watching something. And it, and also for me, it was, it's interesting to watch and also just to examine your own preconceived notion because what you're watching is, is kind of grotesque. You're just like, I'm not, you know, and you're, you're not, you know, they're, they're not like, uh, stereotypically attractive you know individuals yeah. who are on the screen that you are used to seeing all the time every day uh on any show or or film that you turn on so 
So just to watch those people and to watch that, and then like in this like love story, it also kind of turns, it makes you wonder, like question yourself, like what all of your judgments that you just place automatically on people and things and like how things are. And it kind of, it was interesting to how it really makes you uncomfortable with that or like well why I'm judging this you know and why am I judging it and who am I to judge this so oh yeah, yeah I yeah yeah my first time through I was trying to figure out, is this exploitation am I like am I That's watching right. people being taken advantage of by the filmmaker and then of course it hits the beats that it hits I'm, I'm still trying to protect it which is amazing my I, I reread my review from the festival and then the one I wrote the, the longer one I wrote uh when it was released that fall and I think it basically just wrote around literally everything and just said, don't even read this, just go see it. Because I think I, I tried to find there. your review. <laughs> I tried to find your review before we spoke, of course, but I only saw, I didn't, I couldn't find a longer one. Now I'm intrigued. I'm uh-huh. go find, but I do remember you saying, yeah, don't like, just don't even, even now as we're talking about it, I'm like, God, how, how do we talk about it? Mm. You want to protect also, it, right? Yeah. Like you want to protect wanna the experience for people. Did you want to see it twice? I did, yeah. The second time was, I don't know, it's different. But how was it for you watching it again? Um, I didn't watch it this week, but I watched, I revisited it in 2020, maybe? Early 2020. It showed up on a streaming service somewhere. And I thought, you know what? I want to see how this plays a second time. And what I got out of it was the same thing, weirdly enough, the same thing I got out of Let the Right One In, which of course, because it's from the same writer. Yeah. um, But I think, Ali Abbas, the director of this film, was kind of trying to do the same thing that Let the Right One In did, that the film adaptation did, um, which is not hide anything. Like all the reveals are in the dialogue. The, 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 the Both Border and Let the Right One In never pretend that these characters are anything other than what they are. And on second viewing, when you know who people are and what they are, it's just there's no, there's no filter anymore. There's no, like it removes the, I mean, any film is, is easier to watch the second time through because your brain isn't trying to figure out where it's going and you're not like the suspense doesn't play the same way, but here where the bigger mystery of the film isn't what's going on with the pornography ring and the thing that she's investigating, it's who she is and what she's doing. And when you know that it gets really interesting watching everything else respond to her. So, yeah, um, I found it really compelling. And I was going to say funny, but not quite funny, just a little uneasy. There's there's this tension with her knowing that she's not happy, knowing that she doesn't belong where she is, and that she's trying to figure out what she really wants. And that this is someone who's never known what she wanted because she was removed from her world and, and is just this, she's isolated in a world full of people. And watching that, watching everyone else kind of just pull away from her a tiny bit. And it's it's clearly directed. I mean, I'm sure it's designed to be that way. But everyone she speaks to steps back a tiny bit. There's a little bit of space that's created between her and everything else. Yeah, I, I think it really is that. It's what it is. It's, it's a character study. It's, it's like a it's a self-discovery, almost like a coming of age, but, uh, you know, a coming into one's own and in, in the, similarly to let the right one in which is literally about two kids you know um developing learning and becoming you know who they are meant to be like their own selves and that's that is what this is about it's it's a it's a it's a personal journey it's a story of uh of somebody who yeah as, as you said has been isolated in their own and in their own world and was forced to to be alone and never belonging like the outsider uh story i guess um yeah yeah but as a as an acting piece as a as that kind of character what what like that's remarkable i think what she was what both of them did yeah yeah i don't want to play down your milanov because he's he's incredible as well yes Just this, this exactly. forceful confident thing he's doing that reads as ugly to us because the camera pushes in on him and we are repelled by his or at least I was I think the first time through I thought I was supposed to be repelled by his desire not just sexual but for her to be part of his world to pull her in uh, because he wants to use her that's like that's the we can talk about the ending and everything else but it that's the thing that really 
plays as a heartbreaker the second time through is knowing that this is the first person like her that she's ever met. And he does not have good intentions. He he no. tells her he wants to help her, but that's not really what he wants. And no. the second time through, it feels like it's, it's almost like a film noir where, you know, a detective gets pulled into something with the best of intentions and, and hopes that it will be the thing that changes her life. But I mean, yes, it is, but not the way she wants. Right. And then they're on the other side of, yeah, of like, yeah, the same coin. basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great how, that the mystery structure is there because it does give us an opportunity, like a way into the story that might not have worked otherwise. If you were just following her without a mystery, it would be, I mean, there's, there's the mystery of who she is, obviously, but the mystery she's investigating gives us a reason to invest in the entire narrative and puts a ticking clock on it and makes it move a little faster and, and puts it in a genre that I think makes it more comfortable as a watch. Because I, I would, I mean, I would love to see a Jean Dielman like version of Tina's day and just watch her go through her work, but giving her something that's in opposition to her desire and what she wants and, and, creating an external conflict like that's oh that's the good stuff that is the good stuff that is what makes it but that is yeah and that's what i was saying at the beginning like that why it's so dark and it's like again it's like two sides of the same coin of like who's who's worse or who's better you know what what is the moral kind of compass in in the story like who's 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 the good guy who's the bad guy you know um and you it sounds like you are leaning towards like the I think it's Vore, I think, or the him um in the end using her or wanting her to be part of the scheme. But would you do you think that when he meets her, he he knows that uh it's do you think that it's like Oh, is it always planned? on his mind? Yeah. Or do you think that I mean I only thought about this now. I, I didn't think that, but but now you're making me wonder that. Because then you would really put something dark on on his plate to kind of you know gather uh somebody on side like we'll use her mm-hmm. as a mold she's perfect for this you know but now mm-hmm. maybe we're reading too much into it i don't know i wonder in a noir situation undoubtedly right like if this was a classical 40s yeah. film with trolls in it then yeah it would be yes <laughs> it would be part <laughs> of a plan so many of those are happened in the 40s <laughs> no, i don't know I, you know, there's a version of to have and have not that plays beautifully with trolls in it. Um, I don't know. I think the the way he first approaches her and, and kind of challenges her initially. I mean, maybe that's just who he is. That does seem like his personality. Uh, as, as we see him, he's, he's not someone who, who pulls back from people. He's sort of aggressive and confrontational from the jump, but I wonder yeah. if, if he's trying to lure her in, that would work. Right. Yeah. That could have been a whole other, um, but it's not so obvious. Mm. But if you think about him, if he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't like her and he was just a human who was acting that way when they first meet, you, you would, and she would be completely disgusted probably too. Like he, you know, reaches in close to, he's just like kind of breathing. Like you, you feel like it's uncomfortable. He's got this sort of smarmy vibe and swagger and stuff and and it is uncomfortable but because they look the same yeah but then yeah. what does that say about us like that we think or her that she's like oh it, i mean it's a really human observation like we just what only like the things that look like us and are familiar and we feel comfortable with and i mean is that okay in this in this story it's like well it's making it okay because she she has not been able to find that with anybody else. She is the outsider, you know. And then you find your your clan, I guess. Like so, there's there's a lot of different ways to look at it, I guess. You know. Yeah, I mean, this, this could be about any kind of enthusiast who discovers an, a like minded person, right? It's just I'm sure there are. Right. I'm, I know there are movies about that uh, where people are sort of pulled in by familiarity and, and a sense of community, and then betrayed. Yeah. It's. Um, the one I'm thinking about, The East, not too long ago, Britt Marling's film with about eco-terrorism, where radicals get together for the same purpose and then end up going too far. It's sort of the same. I mean, it's any kind of similar narrative about, about people needing to belong. But in this case, yeah, you're right. The the way they're set apart by their physical, uh, by their physicality, by the just the way everyone else looks around them would seem to push them together. 
and right. gives us a reason. I don't know, but I think because we spend enough time with Tina before she gets pulled into Vore's world, right? And so naturally we're going to be skeptical or cautious on her behalf when she meets Vore, when she learns more about him and who she is as a result. I think we still we kind of want to root for her to be happy because she's the person we're following in the story. But at the same time, Vore is just so unpleasant. And she's and like Tina's not. That's the important thing, right? She's a little, she's a little gruff with her superior. Uh, but we also know that she's a person, a woman who is very, very good at her job. And so again, we assume that male superiors are gonna just talk down to her and not take her seriously because that's just the world that we live in. That's 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 every thriller. That's every mystery, right? We know she's right because we're on her. We are on her side. We've seen her skills. We've seen what she does, which is amazing. Like the idea that she can taste guilt is yes. such a unique concept. Um, is that like is that part of troll lore in, no. in Scandinavia? No. Well, not 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 the stories that I read, um, but uh, no, that's that's an interesting thing. And I wonder, uh, did you read the story? I, I haven't have read not the seen story. It. No, Me neither. So. I was wondering about that, like what uh, what additions or or that were were given in the film, or or how close it stayed. But that wasn't one of the things. But but just just back to um, what you were saying about her. Yeah, we we were made to like her right away because of, I think even the first scene we see her. We she stops a kid and she's like actually quite nice to him. She's like, you don't want to be in jail, but you know you're underage. Don't like you've got booze. You're not supposed to have booze. Whatever. Yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, you ugly!" You know, under his breath, like "ugly bitch" or whatever. And and so we're immediately um, on her side. Like she's just been insulted. And then we see all these moments with her and insects and animals and nature. So we see that she's got this caring heart, and we see that the animals are drawn to her, like the mm. fox, whatever. So somehow that that uh, that warms us. You know, if if these beasts are the are her like they're her only friends you know it's like yeah. this is these are the things that come close she's not doesn't touch anyone or anything unless it's like you know her terrible roommate or, or whatever it is and then but then these insects or this moose or or the fox like this is how she, that's her contact it's not with any human it's it's with with these you know animals and nature so mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, and then back to what you were saying about sort of, uh, lore with trolls. I mean, it, it's more, it's more, uh, stories like that, they, you know, they live in the woods and they can maybe, they go up to, they're up to no good, some mischief, like they might come and, you know, steal something or, or like replace something or whatever. Right. But, uh, um, yeah, but the, the thing with scent and whatever, not there, the, the natural, world it's definitely there the the forest the woods and that's obviously where all this sort of folklore and and mythology and magic comes from in the first place you know what what lies out there in the forest and that was another fun choice like his it was so gray and bore all the human stuff all like even the border center it's just like nothing and then you get this lush green moss like barefoot stepping down and this like beautiful dark green moss like soft and the water and things like that versus the cold human world that she works in yeah fluorescent lights everywhere and and just the sense that there's no windows that it's all just yeah boxy and empty and and devoid of life and no air it felt too because i really think the breathing and the smelling and that's once again like testament to the actors but um yeah all of that has somehow really strong in it yeah yeah and i realize i mispronounced the director's name earlier it's not a boss it's a bossy and and the work to build that world visually as well as expanding a short story into a feature is just exhausting uh i think like the 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 density of everything we see the the forest scenes are gorgeous but there's also just the sort of shabbiness of her home life and the the environment that she's built for herself which we get the feeling is purely functional like she doesn't seem to take a great deal of pleasure in her living situation she's certainly not taking pleasure in her roommate no matter what else is going on like it's just it's just unpleasant yeah Yeah. and he just sort of 
lives there. Like it's not her space. He's there with the dogs are all over the place. His dog, it's just like, she doesn't have um, anything that's of her own, even though it is her own. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that was, um, that's uh yeah, pretty clear, like a, and well done in production as yeah. far as that's like their, their apartment and the barking dogs. And then she throws this TV out at the end. <laughs> anyway yeah yeah but it's it's that world that she wants to flee right that's that that also sets her up to be with attracted to Vore to see what might happen in in a situation where someone genuinely understands her yeah so again sympathetic empathetic you just want her you know you want tina to be happy she's the hero of the movie you don't want to see it all go badly no It's kind of a hard film to talk about. The more, and we've said this before, but also because of these other, um, you know, whether it's it's it because you think you you almost can't help but think of it in terms of like you know, especially nowadays, like you know, race and and gender and sure. all these huge sort of topics that I I don't that I mean I actually don't even almost want to like the film is of its own you know and and to. But it is when you when you start like trying to un, unravel it a bit, then I feel you get a little bit stuck on on questions like this that are on everybody's mind these days, or that we're like super aware and hyper kind of vigilant about now. So so I I, I wonder. It'd be interesting to hear like a like a a panel of real pros. I mean, you're the real pro. I'm I'm, I'm talking about, about myself. I mean talking about this as, as far as like a you know almost like a social kind of commentary yeah and i i don't think that the filmmakers set out to do that he's a iranian but but he's a swede um, yeah but, i mean but that is going to be a different experience of growing up in sweden right like if you're if you're an iranian emigre yeah um seeing people respond to you differently I mean, uh, I, I don't know how racist it is in Sweden, but I mean, I know oh, certainly in the UK it's horrible and, and France has not been great with... Um, there's racism everywhere. I mean, of course it exists in Sweden too. I mean, it, it's the, the and immigration is, is a, a, a big topic mm-hmm. there as well. Sweden has like traditionally welcomed many immigrants and also from Syria a few years ago and, and from all over the world. And there's... Um, and I think, especially now, it's going to be more and more as uh, as we start things start moving with climate and other things. There's going to be all kinds of migrations. And but um, Sweden has long had this sort of policy of, of kind of more open door, but also training for. I mean, I see training, education, I guess, mm-hmm. to to kind of uh, for any newcomer to kind of learn about the culture that they're going to be joining. And, oh, and so for like that. so integration. Yeah, integration is the word. Yes. Um, so to to go to to take some classes about this and what the Swedes believe, what they how how they conduct their day to day, this kind of thing. So so people can be more comfortable coming into this entirely new world. Um, so I think you know I think the Swedes are definitely tolerant, but of course there's there's uh, there's racism, and I think in the south now, in in Malmo and and uh, across from Copenhagen, there's there's a lot there's 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 things that are are moving and changing, and uh, so for sure. And generally now now it's it's changing. It's not everybody's blonde and blue eyes. It was never like that, by the way. <laughs> but, um, on, it's just like that on the postcards. But um, you know, so of course things things are changing, and and uh, I guess of course the director um as you say we would be looked at i don't know when he i don't know if he was born in sweden or when he moved or anything like that but uh the imdb says that he was uh, born in tehran but it doesn't say when he arrived Hmm. well yeah so i'm sure he must have been thinking about that as well you can't help it yeah, it feels like it's about everything and nothing, right? Because it's so specific about its own world and and the fantastical aspect of it just sort of removes any metaphor, but it's all there. I mean, you're dealing with border crossings and and a closed society on that level and you're dealing with someone who is outside of it but within it and and 
she's almost, I mean, you can see why Vori wants to enlist her because she's basically a double agent once, yeah. once she knows who she is or what yeah. she is. And what do you think about the, the whole like gender discussion or do we even want to open that box up? I, I almost don't, like, I don't know how to even, well, yeah, I, giving away, you know, I mean, it's a yeah. big at this point, it's been out for three years. I assume people will be listening to this. If you, okay, listeners, if you haven't watched Border, put this on pause and go watch Border. Then we can talk about what we're about to talk about. Yes. Yeah. Because it is, well, I mean, is it a, does it function as a trans analogy? Does it function as a uh, gender fluidity? I don't know that. I think that's ultimately the same element comes up in Let the Right One In where, you know, Ellie isn't a girl and says so yes and she says she says straight up yeah i'm not i'm not a girl i'm not a girl would you still like me if i if i wasn't a girl she says yeah Mm -hmm. but it's i think it's about yeah so this is what i meant i would it would be great to hear like you know experts talk about that i mean these specific you know people but but because it's hard to comment when you don't know but i think then we can say at least it is about in the most basic sense which is something that uh everybody has felt one way or other. And that is the sort of other or, you know, not belonging or feeling uncomfortable in your own skin. Yeah. Um, and not, you know, and that's part of being human. That's part of growing up. I mean, I don't know anybody, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, growing up that nobody had any insecurities or nobody knew how to, you know, you, you, we all have to learn how to walk we have to crawl first, you know, and then we learn how to walk and then we fall down and we get up again. I mean, there's, yeah, this yeah. is just some basic kind of how we grow. So, so, but in that, that scene, like she really doesn't suddenly she's something complete, her own body has kept secrets from her. Yeah. Like that is, that's how do you deal with, with that? I mean, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah. what do you think about that? <laughs> I, I, again, I wish I'd seen it with an audience because I would love to feel that shock that ripples through the room uh, when we discover that there's so much going on, that there's so much stuff that, yeah, that Tina didn't even understand. And yeah. I suppose it's an it's it's a metaphor for a non-binary experience where you suddenly discover that you're not what anyone thinks you are, let alone yourself. Yeah. But the way the film just powers through it it was this triumphant moment, right? Because yeah. Tina ultimately does get to be fulfilled as whatever she is and, and to have like whatever identity she wants because this is happening and it isn't stopping and she's into it. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a cocoon to butterfly, I guess. Yes. Moment. It's a chrysalis metaphor. That's it. Exactly. That's what, that's what it must be, you know, because that's when you don't even know. And then, and then, you know, she gets to spread these wings that she didn't even know she had kind of, I mean, it, it should be that. And then she becomes this, it is like a transformation. It is like from one sense of, of, of being one body to another. So mm-hmm. I guess that's the closest I can come to figuring that out. <laughs> I think, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's whatever you want it to be. If you're if you're yeah. a person watching it in a theater or at home and taking away some kind of supportive message, it doesn't really matter what the message is if it works for you. But yeah, it is just so completely. Well, I mean, it's not unprecedented, but it is so shocking in the moment to see that this is happening, that the film is taking it seriously and going yes. for it. Yes. And going for, and like, it's really like, it's sort of brave to do that. Um, And I like what you said, triumphant. I mean, that's, it is that it's like a, um, it is that that kind of a moment, a moment of victory, triumph, (laughs) but it is um, again, astonishing or like almost a miracle that they do take it so serious and you have to, it's, it's like the serious moment, but I can't imagine the conversations around how they're going to do it, how they're going to shoot or how they're going to, yeah, you know, go for it. Like just, and you have to just completely commit a thousand percent if you're going to do that and do it and take it seriously and go all the way. Otherwise, you know, yeah, you'll, you can, you can lose a, a lot. Yeah. Very easily. Yeah. I mean, even Tricky. the blocking alone is something that you have to figure out down to the, to the 
millimeter where you're going to put the camera and how you're going to frame the effect and all the other things. And, you know, people who are listening to this without having watched Border, I think you're sorry now, but go watch Border. <laughs> yes. Surprise. <laughs> but yeah. 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 I mean, it's not, it's, it's not the kind of thing you can use an intimacy coordinator for because there's never been something like this. I mean, I suppose you can because it's acting and there's going to be negotiation of the physical body and all, but it is something that is, when it happens, it is just gobsmacking in its confidence. Yeah. Like they make it work, not for a second. You, you mentioned some people giggled and I get that because people are uncomfortable with some experiences, yeah. especially if they didn't know this was going to happen going in and who the hell would. Nobody knew. But it was just think, that, yeah. yeah, it was just that great moment of, oh, they're doing, okay. And it works. Like it actually yeah. works in the moment. Yeah. You buy it. And that's like, that's a huge credit it has to go to, to everybody who made that, this film. Yeah. I mean, Eva Melander is selling it, right? Like from under the prosthetics, um, from under all the assumptions that we've been carrying about this character for what, 45, 55 minutes, it's the halfway point of the film. And, mm-hmm. and it works and it's, it's almost, yeah, it's, it's triumphant, but it's also fun to sort yeah, of see the movie like going that way and just refusing to cut around it or fade to black or turn, you know, like there's no tilt to a fireplace or anything. Like we're, we're watching this happen because the mechanics of it are as fascinating to Tina as they are to us. I think that your word of saying triumphant also, I mean, it's true. And you're saying it's kind of fun. And earlier you said there's like sort of fun or maybe you said funny moments as well, but you're right. It's kind of, it's joyful. Mm-hmm. You're just like, Oh yeah. Like, go for it you know it is it's a joyful kind of moment it's joyful to watch some somebody come into their own i suppose yeah Yeah. it's neo at the end of the matrix figuring out bullet time like it's exactly it's it's a weird analogy but it is that sort of thing where you're watching something truly fantastical um and it's not the client like in this case it's not the climax of the film it's just her personal turning point yes and I can't believe you can say that without then like saying something else and you're using the word climax. I know, yeah. I know, I know. I know, I know. That's my, yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. And it is that turning point. It's, 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 it's pretty, it's something. It is like a, it's cool. It's a magical, um, it's a magical movie about magic, I suppose, you know? Yeah. And things yeah. that we don't know we can do, which is again, a universal metaphor, right? Even if it's, um, even if it's just standing up to someone who wants you to do what they want, yeah. which is ultimately the triumph, the real triumph of the film is, is that she chooses her own moral code. Like she chooses her own values, um, which are neither human nor troll. Like she gets to yes. be herself, which I think is like, that's the chosen one narrative. Right. But it's, it's hidden in this story where, I made the film noir analogy earlier and the detective is the one who's isolated and alone because they the, they're the ones who have their own moral code that never breaks. And every film noir story is either about losing everything because you won't break your code or breaking your code and losing everything. There are no happy endings and border carves one out. It actually finds a way for Tina to do the right thing for her so she can live with herself. Like she obeys her own moral code, follows her own conscience and gets to be the hero of her story, even though no one else will ever know it. Yeah, I I, I think that's very strong. She gets to own, uh, yes, her own identity. I mean, finally, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she can reject him and do all these things based on, as you say, her own, her own uh, values, which are now entirely her own and not, you know, what other people have told her or suggested she should. She should think, do, feel, yeah, yeah. Or who she should be. But do you think that the, but the ending is sort of like this, also an open kind of, you know, it's like, it's also, we know that it's, it's the beginning. Yeah. It's like the, the ending is like, it's the beginning of her story. It's um, now that she has finally taken this journey and, and come to this sort of the chrysalis analogy. She, she's now, you know, knows who she is. And so now it really is like the, it's the ending is the beginning for her and we don't know what, is she going to go meet him? What's she going to do? You know, and all these things. So. 
Yeah. Where do you see her going? What do you think happens next? I think she does go. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I think she wants to, but I don't know if she does it. Ultimately, that means giving up so much of who she is now, right? If she abandons the human world and goes off to find her people. What does she do with the baby? Wait, you mean just... Generally speaking, um, sorry. Now my brain well, I mean, is pro- my go, brain is no, protecting the ending. I don't want to say. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Oh shit. No, it's sorry. it's fine. It's fine. Like, at this point, we've 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 already acknowledged that people are going to have to know the movie to uh, tell the story. I don't I know. There's so. some does she some part bring of my... it? Does she keep it just on her own? Does she stay in that place? Like, I don't think she's going to. St- That's the thing. Maybe she doesn't go, but I don't think she's going to stay and be a border guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think no, she's I... now like in a different zone. So. Yeah, I want to continue the noir narrative and have her set up an agency because she's good at that. Like she could easily be a real active detective or or something uh, and raise the kid. I think there's I think there's a weird story where she gets to be a single parent and walk in both worlds and maybe live in a farm somewhere where the animals just come up to her. I want her to be happy. Like I really I'm rooting. I have a rooted interest in her getting everything she wants, whatever that is. Maybe she'll go and arrest him, <laughs> like, or like stop him from doing this this whole thing. And then, yeah. yeah, that's a whole other, in the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I assume she'll use her contacts to tip off somebody because she has a border guard. I don't know that she really has any authority beyond. No, I know, but not arrest yeah. him, but you know what I mean? Go. But yeah. Him. Stop him. You want to, you want her to continue making things right for people. At least I do. Right. Right. She's the, she's the hero. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. She's the hero of her own story and also a troll. <laughs> just, yes. Just, <laughs> just, he just so happens to be a, a troll. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't define, I mean, it kind of does define her, but it doesn't it have does to. Define her. <laughs> yeah, but that's what the whole movie is about. Yeah. You can be a what troll a, and a good member of, a productive member of society. What a, what a, what a story. Yeah. yeah. I would I love to talk to Obasi about this and find out how it happened. I didn't get the chance when he was here uh, at TIFF. Yeah. I would have, that, that's a conversation I would love to have. Just yeah, how much of it is. Yeah. So this is the complicated part because usually I try to bring the, I try to connect the movie back to the the guest's work. And I don't see a lot in bestsellers (laughs) that lines up. No, it's so different. I think maybe that's also why I chose, I don't know why. It's like a completely different thing. But I will say, of course, this film is very different from bestsellers, but parts of it are close to sort of some of the short films that I've done. So at least there is, and I, and as I, I said earlier, you know, at least like, you know, the Swedish connection, the sort of folklore idea, this, this stuff um, for sure. But yes, this film is nothing like bestsellers. Um, not, yeah, not, not really. I mean, it's about people finding themselves, <laughs> I guess, but sure. um, uh, there are, spoiler alert, there are no trolls in my film. Um, <laughs> so yeah. See, I would have yeah. held that back. I wouldn't have said anything about that. <laughs> okay. Oh no, nobody's gonna watch it. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a different it's a different different animal. <laughs> yeah, but it is like it is within a recognizable genre, and it still plays some tricks in there. I think it's fair to say, yeah. right? It, it's similarly loose with our expectations, or plays fast and loose with them anyway. See, I don't want to give anything away about your movie either. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> this is very frustrating. I do. I just, I want to, I kind of want to know because I've never had the chance to really talk to anybody about this. What is it like to work with Michael Caine now? Uh, I interviewed him 10 years ago when Dark Knight Rises came out. And all I wanted to talk to him about was the Muppet Christmas Carol. Because it's the greatest performance. It is marvelous. That's one of his faves too. Yeah. He said that. Yeah. And it was his favorite because it was his grandkids favorite or something like that. That's right. He wanted to do something for his grandkids. I mean, they're older now and stuff, but. But yeah, um, no, look, working, I, I, I mean, the answer is I don't know because I was never fortunate enough to uh, work with him. I don't know, this is my first time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but gosh, what a, what a total joy, obviously. But, and he's just, um, he's just a generous, authentic, real human being. You know, he's just a wonderful guy. So uh that in itself is is worth like you know a, a lot it goes it goes really far and and to watch him was a joy I, I learned a lot 
he's uh, he's obviously exceptionally talented. He's very experienced. Um, and yet at the same time, you know, he just wants to do a good job. So after every take, he just looked at me like, is that all right, love? You know, was, was that all right? What, what, what do we do? And, and, you know, and so we would discuss and move and change things. And um, so, and yeah, I, he knows how to uh, use the smallest detail, whether it's like, you know, raised eyebrow. He knows how to control his voice, his beautiful, rich voice that yeah. he can just sort of manipulate and use to just, you know, make you weep or laugh. You know, he 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 knows what he's doing. And at the same time, he's um he's he's generous and and uh and connected enough that you know that he's what he's going through is also not an act all the time. And I think in this film. I don't want to speak at a turn, but I, you know, there, there are some personal things in this film. Um, and I think, I think at this time in his life as well, you know, some of those things rang really true. Um, and so to, to be with him for that and to watch it and to work with him was, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a dream, you know? Yeah. I still don't even believe that it happened. <laughs> it's still sort of like, oh, did we do that? Did we make that film? Yeah, it happened. Yeah. Um, well, this so, is why I was sort yeah. of tying it to Border because he is like legendary at this point. He is his own folklore. He has, yes, he, he is. To, to see him in a movie is to interact with decades of his history and, and his iconography that he's, that has built, been built up around him so that, you know, just as we don't really know what trolls are in Border until we see how they live and breathe, he is this fascinating um, entity who you desperately want to be as a, as like for me, as a viewer, as a critic, as a fan, I desperately need him to be the person I think he is uh, yeah. and the expectation of that. And, and when I got to talk to him, it was really reassuring, right. To hear that just the sort of kindness and the gentleness in his voice that I, I don't think he is an innocent or naive, but it's a choice that he makes, right? To the way he interacts with people now to to just be a human being instead of a movie star. Oh, yeah. He can, I mean, he's, he can do, I mean, he's constantly being uh, bombarded. I mean, now he, he mm-hmm. he's used to it. He's done it a million times. But about his personality, I will say something. And I thought it was, it was such a, it was such a really beautiful compliment. But um, his wife, Shakira, uh, just as far as, you know, who he is as a person, she told me that, you know, his performance in this film was closest to him than anything else she's ever seen. Oh. You know, all of his, like, uh, all the warmth, all the, all the, all the, the, you know, the, the sort of like curmudgeonly irascible, all, all the stuff, the good, the bad, it's all, it's all in there, you know? And it's, it's also, it's charming. I mean, he's, he's just, um, he's just lovable. And though, as you said, we all have these expectations and my God, I was terrified the first day on set, you know, it's a, sure. and, um, but, um, because he is authentic, because he's really generous and because most importantly, he cares, you know, like this is, this is the real, that's the, the secret. His secret is that he, he cares deeply about his work and about you know the people around him, and about doing it right. You know, he he, it's not it's not a job. You know, I mean, some of them are a job. I mean, he always tells the story about when he's doing. He needs to you know the reason he did Jaws four when right. he went to get a house, or you know, he tells the same things. But some things, you know, especially at this time in his life, he's uh, almost ninety years old. Um, you know, he'll he has to do it because he wants to, because he cares, and. Uh, because he loves to do it. And that is just what a, what a, what a gift for, for me and for the crew and all the other actors and everybody who did. I mean, that's, that's such a, a blessing to, to, that's a gift from him, you know, to, that he, that he gives and that I think hopefully he'll give to the world through his work and through his role in this film. I'm really proud. I'm really proud of, his work. I'm really proud of Aubrey's work. And um, yeah, I'm just, I just, I can't wait for people to see what they do. Oh yeah. I don't want to uh, leave Aubrey Plaza out of it either. She's amazing. No, no. She's yeah. just this remarkable young actor, but the idea that 
yeah, I, I just, I'm fascinated by the, the, not the conflict or the expectation. I'm always fascinated by directors working with legitimate legends and figuring out how to yeah. use them and, and see past the legend, which I think Best Sellers does really well. Oh, thanks. I, I think, I think too, of course it's, it's, um, as I said, it was like really nerve wracking. Well, how, who am I to tell this legend, you know, what to do? Um, and of course, like I didn't tell him what to do. I, I suggested, <laughs> what he no, I mean, we, 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 but we, we have a relationship. We could talk like he, he, you know, he was, as I said, he was generous and open enough to want to, to know more, to go deeper, to, to, to kind of, you know, if a line wasn't working, I'll give him something else, you know, like wh- whatever, you know? Yeah. And he was, he was just lovely. And he, gosh, he's so good, isn't he? <laughs> My thanks to Lena Rossler, whose first feature, Best Sellers, is in theaters and on VOD in Canada this Friday, September 17th. It's good. You should watch it. Thanks also to Bonnie Smith. She knows what she did. Lena's not on Twitter, but you can track bestsellers release via the Mongrel Media account, which is all one word, and you can find Border on Blu-ray and DVD from Universal Studios. It's also streaming on Shudder and Mubi in Canada, and Hulu and Canopy in the US. And you can rent or buy it on most VOD platforms. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner, and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm hosting a bunch of podcasts these days, while also being punchy as hell from writing the Daily Tiff Dispatches. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. Watch movies. Stay safe. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your shot if you can. I'll see you next time.